1: that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. since nineteen seventy-one. Well, it's time of the Vendronski Show as I speak. It is what Thursday, October 20th, 2022, and the headlines exploding on the internet. <clears throat> What's the sound of the internet exploding? I've been thinking <laughs> I can't believe I'm just like mini-obsessed with this. I haven't thought about British politics in years, and for all day I've been following what's going on. Prime Minister Liz Truss is stepping down, or she resigned, Um, uh, apparently brought brought on by her mishandling of the economy. Follow me on this, ladies and gentlemen. I just find this so bizarre, uh, uh, bizarrely ironic. It's really hard for me to even uh, get it out of my mouth because it's so strange, but uh, she initiated her administration as uh, when they took over initiated a series of tax cuts for the wealthiest people uh, and the impact on the economy was so strong uh, and they were so unpopular that she's um, stepping down. And I'm thinking like, this is the reigning philosophy of the Republican party, a MAGA t- cutting taxes on the wealthiest people. <laughs> and they had, it's like politically volatile in London in England for a conservative politician to cut taxes on the richest people. I'm like, what's going on? Like something got lost in translation, even though both countries speak English, not quite figuring this out. Right now, the man that Republican voters have decided is best equipped to be governor of the state of Illinois, Darren Bailey, you elected a MAGA voters, this man's chief financial policy is to cut taxes. Following along with Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and all the rest of them in the Republican Party, yet somehow or other in London, it's what? The third rail. Very bizarre. I can't quite figure it out. I'll probably spend the rest of the day thinking about it. All right, without further ado, I'll ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. And then away we Go. Distinguished guest.
0: Hi, I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a member of the editorial board and a columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: Yes. And do you have any opinions whatsoever about the British Prime Minister stepping down?
0: I just think it's kind of wild. How long did she last? Like 45 days? Um, I I know that the one thing that I do know about Liz Truss is that um, people were sharing when Queen Elizabeth died, people were sharing. uh clips of her when she was in college and how she felt about the monarchy and she was a lot more woke than she was today so people were just kind of comparing what she said back then to what she is now and it it was it was it was kind of funny but that's that's what i know about her but um i don't know that much i mean i've been kind of like following some clips I, i you know obviously i saw the alerts in the morning and i was like god didn't she just get named prime minister. Uh, just like, if, And then I think I think there's I've seen some jokes like, you know, I saw some joke from someone who I follow or someone that was retweeted and they said, um, I'm from the Middle East. I'd like to know um, if England can handle democracy. As some, you know, some jokes about England and, you know, it kind of falling apart and those kind of jokes. And I, I like I said, the I don't know Liz Trust that much. I just know, I know that she kind of switched parties. Right. She was a lot more uh liberal when she was in college which happens to a lot of people and then she is, as she got older she got more and more conservative.
1: Well, well that, is, that is um I mean this is not what I wanted to talk about with you. I really I want to talk about your most recent column which uh I thought was really excellent. Uh and it just wow you are really talented uh Ramona but uh, anyway um the, the the trait of people Throwing away their idealism and uh, <laughs> becoming more conservative, hard hearted and cruel uh, as they get older. And then it's explained as process of aging has always baffled me. And I'm an old guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, that line, um, uh, the, the the conservatives love to say it if you're if you uh, uh if you're a socialist when you're 20, you have no heart. Uh, if you're a socialist when you're 60, uh, you have no brain. And then,
0: yeah, I have that. I've heard of that one too.
1: Oh my God. That's <laughs> why it's just lousy comedians. You guys suck as comedians. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've never really understood the phenomenon. Uh, you would think that you would, as you got older, you would have a greater perspective on the things that, uh, the advantages that you have had in life, uh, if you're successful and may think that, uh, but for a few breaks, other people will be right there with you. But apparently uh, not everybody sees it that way. All right, Romana, let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's get to this latest column, which my guess is it touched a nerve. Uh, and you took a, a, a distinctly Romana view uh, on a topic that uh, has been in the news a lot lately. And one we have not talked about. So take it away, Romana. Explain uh, what your column was and what you had to say. And we'll take it from there. Go ahead.
0: Sure. Um, you know what? It didn't rile up too many people. I did get, um, I have to tell you, I did get, if I did get any pushback, it was from Indian, right-wing Indians, which um, I get all the time. Um, and uh, the in, the chief architect behind getting the city council resolution, uh, you know, on India basically knocked down, he always sends me emails that are about Muslims doing different things in the world. And he sent me something about Iran yesterday. And so all these Indians are trying to educate me about Iran and what's happening there. Um, Basically, I wanted to take the issue of hijab because I've seen it um, treated, uh, handled very differently than the way most Muslims and people from places you know who are raised Iran Muslims view the hijab um you know after nine eleven, you know we would see all these pictures um shared by um usually people who aren't of Muslim background of like women in Afghanistan wearing like you know mini skirts and people saying oh this is what it looked like before um 30 years ago and they do that with Iran too um and you know that's fine. Uh, but the thing is, it's it's acting as if there was, there was no women that covered their hair at that time. And there were. There's always been women that wear hijab and have worn hijab in parts of the Muslim world. And it's not like everybody in Iran looked like that. If any, And if you paid attention to history in terms of um, the Shah of Iran, his grandfather actually banned the hijab. They wanted people to look more Western. And he didn't, when the Shah, the one that was dethroned and Seventy nine. Uh, he had not banned it, but you know he discouraged it, and uh, you know he was oppressive in his own way before the Islamic Revolution. Not to say what's happening in Iran right now is correct, but there's just a lot of gray, and a lot of Americans don't really realize that. And the Shah, if you look at some interview that he did with Barbara Walters back in the seventies, he wasn't very enlightened when it came to women. So you know, for people to think that oh, if women are wearing skirts, they're totally You know, liberated. I mean, there's women wearing miniskirts in America, and they couldn't get a loan by themselves in, you know, until the mid '70s, or they couldn't get a credit card in their own names until the mid '70s. So, there's just a lot of nuance, I think, that people don't understand about the Muslim world in terms of the hijab. People just have this like mindset where they just think that if you have hijab, you're automatically oppressed, and it's not that way. But mandatory hijab is something else when you're forcing someone to wear that and that's what they have in Iran right now. And I thought it was important to get out there that okay, what ha- is happening in Iran, what happened in Iran is horrible and you know, they you know, what started the protest in Iran is this young woman, 22-year-old woman, um, the they have this thing called the morality police. They have that those in Saudi Arabia, um, probably in Afghanistan in Iran and they basically said that she wasn't wearing her hijab properly. Like maybe like a few locks of her hair were showing. Anyway, it turns out that um, it looks like she was beaten while she was in police custody and, and, and she was beaten so bad that she ended up dying. And the government said that, you know, oh, she just had a heart attack, but clearly she didn't. And so, you know, there's this movement that's starting up and it's kind of, I was talking to the experts that I mentioned in my column. They've, they've said that the movement right now is also kind of touching upon the treatment of um, religious minorities in Iran. It's uh, touching upon the economy, but it is mostly a movement that was kind of started off by women and men have joined in too. Um, kind of saying that we're not, we don't want to take it anymore. You know, we shouldn't have to be forced to wear the, the hijab. There's been women burning their hijabs. And so for some people, especially people around the world who look at the hijab as this oppressive symbol, no matter even if a woman wants to wear it, you know, everybody's You know, all up in arms. All of a sudden, people care about um, Iran when they never really paid attention to it before. And so I wanted to talk about and say what's happening there is terrible. But on the flip side, there's also, um, you know, countries like France. Um, They they currently have this rule where you can't go into a government building or school with any sort of religious symbol. And originally, like everybody could wear religious symbols. But when there was a proliferation of women wearing hijab, that's when they wanted to clamp down. And instead of just saying, oh, we don't want women wearing hijab, they're like, nobody can wear religious symbols. Like nobody could wear a yarmulke. Nobody could wear the cross. Um, So you can't wear those. But it's kind of started off with women and their hijab. So France has these laws that are out there. And meanwhile, in my parents' homeland, in India, I've talked about this a lot with you, Ben, and how um, there's a lot of anti Muslim sentiment right now in India, and it's pretty much tolerated by the public, and it's becoming more and more normalized every day. So, um, in one state in Southwest India, they banned the hijab at schools, similar to the way France banned the hijabs at schools. And so, um, there was actually a court case. It went to the Supreme Court because a lot of people had uh, in that state, Garnataka, had um, filed um, the the grievances to the Supreme Court and there was a split decision last week. So I thought that could all be woven into the story. And I mentioned that because all of a sudden people in India who are very right wing, they're very concerned about the people in Iran and they're kind of using this as um, ammunition for more, um, I guess, more uh, crackdowns against Muslims in their own country. So it's like, people are using this for different reasons. And I have to tell you, like, I have friends who wore hijab and, you know, they get, you know, people harass them, you know, for wearing the hijab and tell them that, you know, they can't think for themselves. I have a friend who was actually a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and she wore the hijab. And she once told me that she got like a some sort of fellowship with other journalists in France. And she said half the time there were just other women like yelling at her for wearing the hijab. And it was just like, she said it was like comical, but she was just like, they always were like coming back to what she was wearing and uh, people don't realize that a lot of it is uh, xenophobic and a lot of the commentary is just comes out of nowhere. And so I just thought I want to get my feelings out there. And it was interesting because I talked to the two, um, I wanted to talk to um, experts on Iran and I actually wanted to talk to women because I feel like whenever there's like a topic and people talk about certain groups, they're never from that actual group. And so I was like, mm-hmm. I want to talk to actually, I want to talk to women who are actually having an Iranian background and are experts on Iran. So I started off calling people at Northwestern because I found this like grad student, like she'd written something. And then I, I went on this wild goose chase, but I, d- I eventually found some um, two professors in California. And I don't know if you knew uh, Ben, but Cal LA has a really large Iranian population. Uh, Tehran. Uh, I mean, Los Angeles is called Tarantulas because uh because it's so many Iranian people. So I did find uh, two Iranian American experts and, the, it, the interesting thing is like, they were kind of like me and how I am when it comes to my community. And they're just like, well, you know, one of them read my columns like that i written before. And she's like, okay, I felt a little better reading your columns because, you know, she wanted to make sure like what angle I was getting at. And, you know, I told her, I'm like, hey, I'm Muslim. I've actually been to Iran and I understand all the complexities. And they wanted to make sure I wasn't like someone that didn't look at the nuances and they, they both liked the column. So I was happy with that. And um, that, and, and it wasn't like I was trying to make them happy. It's just like what I thought. And I know what a lot of people think. And that, that message never gets out there. And that was one of the things I pointed out is like, you know, in France, all these women actresses, you know, they're doing these performative acts where they're cutting their hair to show solidarity with Iranian women. Meanwhile, they're not, they haven't really shown solidarity with women who complained that there's a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment in France. And that's a complaint that people have been talking about for years. So I I, I just wanted to um, express those feelings. And uh, it was a column I was pretty happy about after I was done with it, because it really did get what I wanted to say across.
1: Well, it it was um, what you were trying to say was... uh, I I thought it would touch a nerve because uh, what you were trying to say you were trying to force your readers, American readers, mostly, uh, to realize that there's a flip side to what their worldview is.
0: Yeah. That's a really
1: difficult, uh, request to make a people. And so I'm, I'm very secular in nature, as you know, uh, don't practice any religion, but I mean, my general attitude is, is you're not hurting anybody with your, the religion you practice. Practice your religion. And if that means you want to wear a hijab or you want to wear a yarmulke or you want to wear a scarf, that's your thing, you know? Uh, but, but the notion that uh, it's liberation to take uh, the hijab off in the case of Iran, but it is, what, Uh tyranny to wear the hijab uh, in France is inconsistent. So, you know, we're all trying to be consistent, but it's hard, Ramana. It's hard, and I'll tell you why, when it, particularly with the hijab and Muslims. We have been programmed in our country since 9-11, maybe even before that, to fear the hijab to fear Muslims, of course and to view them as the enemy and bill maher has made like he made a career out of maligning well religions in general but he really went after islam and it's just embedded you know what i'm saying and for in our brains as Americans, it's really hard to break free from these biases
0: yeah. And, and, and I understand. I understand that. But that doesn't make it right. That's the thing. It's like, you know, the way America structured, we're supposed to fear black people. That's the messaging we've been getting over and over again. Does that mean it's right? No. And people try to force themselves to think outside the box all the time. So think outside the box. And this has happened like, you know, it's like I once had to talk in front of a journalist, like a group of um journalists like muslim journalists and it was really funny because we ended up talking to uh, all the people in the audience ended up being people from a nearby nursing home because this was at Loyola university and there's a nursing home nearby and all these elderly people found out about muslims coming and talk and it was basically a conversation of them telling us that they're afraid of us um you know that They don't know what we eat. They don't know what we like, how we live our lives. And it's just, it's just like so much ignorance. And, you know, when people say that they fear Americans or don't like Americans, Americans get all bent out of shape. And I'm like, well, you guys have certain viewpoints about certain people around the world. Maybe they think about the same things about you that you're there to destroy their country. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, everybody needs to think outside the box. And I don't know why it's so hard for people to try and understand, you know, and, and I understand it's like, you know, there's been Muslims here since day one, but a lot of people don't know that much about Islam, but I feel like there's enough literature out there that you can't plead ignorance all the time. And, you know, I, I, I'm watching this documentary, which I, I mentioned to you, Ken Burns, and it's the U.S. and the Holocaust and the documentary really touches upon how there's a lot of things that happened back then that are happening right now, but it's just targeting a different group. And a lot of the people didn't want Jewish refugees coming to the United States. Um, And they were pretty open about it. They were anti-immigration back then. And, you know, it was the fear of the unknown, the fear of a group of people who practice a religion much different than what people think an American religion is. So, you know, it's, it's like you have to like look at that, and people don't really look at that and think that they're doing the same thing. they think that you know like at at one point anti-Semitism was accepted, it's not accepted anymore, but on the other hand, Islamophobia is pretty still accepted. I mean Barack Obama when he was running for president, I mean it was called a slur to call him a Muslim, right it pretty much that's what even the left was you know saying, "Oh, he's not a Muslim, don't worry, that's the message I got and As a Muslim, it made me feel bad. I was like, well, why are they acting like if he's a Muslim, it's a bad thing. And I remember like, there was no Democrat, there was no liberal that stood up to like the messaging. It was Colin Powell, who's like a Republican who said like, yeah, even if he was Muslim, the whole thing is like, who cares? That's not the point. And so this was 2007, 2008, and it was acceptable back then. I remember Obama, actually, when we're talking about the hijab, there I wrote a column once because there was two women that came to his event and they had hijab on and they were asked to sit in the back. They were sitting in the front and they were asked to sit in the back. And that just shows you the messaging that we have. And this is from, you know, the Democrats are afraid they don't want people to think that, oh, you know, Obama has Muslim supporters. And, you know, and people don't realize there's, Muslims are Americans, and we're, uh, we're there. And we're not just people to talk about homeland, you know, when, when we talk about security in this world, we're just like regular people. And it's offensive. And, you know, people, and when you say something, people are like, oh, you know, it's different, you know, people don't realize it. But Islamophobia is basically accepted. And that's one of the reasons I think why what's happening in India is so easily acceptable. People are just like so skeptical that this is happening. Or when the Muslims are the victims of the situation, everybody's just kind of like, okay, whatever. And I guarantee you if the Muslims were the ones persecuting any rel- religious minority, um, this would be this would be a bigger news story or more Americans would know or care about what's happening in India for oh. sure.
1: Yeah, uh, that is for certain. Um, And uh, uh, and I just want to do a couple things. One, uh, push back a liberal a little bit on your choice of words, as I always do. Uh, Okay,
0: (laughs) yeah, not a lefty. Once
1: again, between lefties and liberals, there's a big difference. I do this all the time. My beloved lefties uh, never were saying run away uh, from Muslim support. Uh, Bernie Sanders, my beloved lefty in charge, uh, welcome Muslim support throughout. In fact, I would argue that uh, he did so well in uh, like areas like the, of Detroit and Chicago because he got Muslim support. Uh, and uh, so once again, the distinction between liberals and lefties. Yeah, I should I should say, long.
0: yeah, I should I should I should I should have clarified that because Muslims love Bernie. I mean, there was a whole article about um you know, Muslims loving Bernie because that was a thing. He was not afraid and he is not afraid to put like so many Muslims at work, working for his campaign, visible positions. So, yeah, I mean, I have to tell you, uh, most Muslims in this country do love lefties because lefties are, don't really treat them the way the other two parties do.
1: Well, I got to tell you, uh, the change could come. And you and I have had conversations about this, the role uh, that people of color play in the Republican Party. Uh, the role that Jewish Americans play in MAGA. Uh, And now I notice that there's a Muslim American running for attorney general uh, in the state of Arizona who is an election denier. And um, (laughs) so if Muslims start running, MAGA will start bringing Muslims. They don't care. If you just say what they want, they'll bring you on and put you up Oh,
0: MAGA loves people of color who say things that they want they want to say, but the people of color are saying it for them. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's Muslim Trump supporters. Why not? They're going to get somebody that's like, you know, a crazy Muslim MAGA supporter and they'll say stuff. I mean, those are their that's like their bread and butter. Remember the Republican convention? They were trotting out like a black MAGA person like almost every day. That was like their the highlight of their you know convention when it was all um, online. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a given. But I think it's changing, too, on the on Democrat side, too. It's like a slow process, but I just find it frustrating because I'm part of that group that's being maligned. And, you know, everybody's acting like it's a normal thing and they don't realize that they're being just as prejudiced as people were like years ago or with other groups. But it's just it's just accepted. It's like okay, so that's fine, and so I think it's changing a little, especially with this younger generation. I think they're kind of pushing back on these notions that a lot of people who are Gen X and Boomers have. They're just like think outside the box, and it, and it comes down to like whether you have friends or not who belong to this group. That's what I think, and I, I think like people who are older than me, they had you know they never had friends who are Muslim or brown or Indian, and you know the younger generations all do. Well, it depends on where you live, too.
1: Yeah, potentially All right. Uh, speaking is a natural transition. Uh, by the way, so I urge everybody to check out that column uh, that Romana wrote. Uh, it, it, I, it was, um, you got a way of doing this, Romana, where you set it up and you just let your argument carry you. And, and the reader doesn't know really where you're going to go with the argument. And you kind of fool us at some point. And you go,
0: oh, what not kind of <laughs> not know. If I, you, I don't know you if I fooled that, I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to say what I feel. And, and you know, it's, thank you for reading my column. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your support. I have to say that, too. That's, that's kind of you. Uh,
1: well, yeah. So, um, okay. So let's natural transition. Uh, people of color, waving the flag for MAGA. Big topic in America for the last week. Big topic on the Ben Jarofsky Show. I won't lie to you. Uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye, uh, who prefers to go by a, a Yay um uh, has lost his freaking mind. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh the amount of self-hate that is pouring out of this man's mouth uh is frightening. Uh and then when he got in trouble, uh what did he do? Age old age old trick. People get in trouble, boom, blame it on the Jews. And he just dragged out every Jewish trope you could ever think of and just now he's taking it to the nth degree, so he's feeling so sorry for himself because people are legitimately upset at the stupid things he is saying. And he looks for a scapegoat to blame it on, so I'm just going to blame it on the Jews. Well, it has worked for other people in the past, so I guess old Ye is just signing up for that. I just want to say this about Romana's saying, she was way ahead of the curve on thinking Yay was crazy. Uh, so, Romana, a few thoughts. Uh Mr Ye West.
0: Yeah, I've actually thought he's been a little off for a long time. I want to say I want to say it's been years, right? And so I remember telling a family friend of mine, I and you know, I'm not saying I'm not denying he's talented because he is a very talented man, but I just remember him like everybody exalting him and he would just do something crazy or say something crazy. And this is not when he said George Bush hates black people that was when he was a little woke he's gotten like he's kind of like regressed since then and so I remember just hearing him say like crazy things and I'd be like this guy's nuts and my and one of my family friends he's younger he's like oh you're just old and out of touch and I'm like okay I'm out of touch but I go he's he's just and then he then my friend my family friend was half joking he called me a racist and I'm like I'm not racist I'm like Kanye's like nuts and so like the last couple of weeks or months, you know, it's like, he keeps saying, he's been saying insane stuff for a long time. And, uh, it's only been like, I think recently when, uh, he started saying, you know, about maybe a year or two ago, remember he said slavery was a choice. And then, you know, he's showing up at the white house with the MAGA hat and, you know, he ran for president and that's fine. he can run for president, but, um, I'm sure like, you know, as a person of color, as a black man just going to the White House wearing a MAGA hat for me, that was like, you know, I'm not black. And I'm not saying that, you know, every black person has to be a Democrat, but it's like MAGA represents a lot of things that a lot of people of color and black people don't really appreciate. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, we has mental illness and. I think finally, when he started going off on the anti-Semitic rant, but, you know, people I'm like, he's been saying, and I was kind of, I was kind of annoyed because I'm like, well, why is, why are people like all of a sudden saying, oh, we can't take it anymore. That's it. I'm like, he's been saying stuff. And now people are like, oh, he's been going after Kim Kardashian for a long time. And all these black women are like, he's been going after black women that he's dated for a long time too, and saying stuff about them. So, you know, you can only blame mental illness to a certain point. Um, You know, he's mentally well enough to wear a White Lives Matter shirt at with Candace Owens at his like fashion show. And then when he started getting pushback, now I heard that he's going to be selling the not selling, but giving away these White Lives Matter shirts to homeless people. Um, And a lot of people are like, that's not going to solve anything either, because that's still the messages out there. Why don't you just cross out the white or just cross out parts of the shirt before you give them away? And. I just feel like, um, you know, I don't know, you know, when there's a person of color, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't speak because I'm not black. But as someone who's South Asian and someone who's Muslim, like, you know, when there's a Dinesh D'Souza, it's it just makes me so mad because he's been given a platform and. You know, I don't know any of her, it's only it's only been recently that you've seen people like brown people on the left getting a platform. But in the beginning, that's all you would see, like these crazy Indians. And, and then there's Muslims, too. There's self-proclaimed Muslims that um, have gotten really famous because they say things like Kanye. But except about the Muslim community, they'll say things like, oh, we should be surveilled. I don't trust refugees either. They say things like that and they become really famous and I can name you a few, but I don't want to because they, then they, you know, they, uh, one of them has gone after me before, but, um, they, they made a career out of themselves. And so Kanye, I think does have issues, mental issues, but I think him saying stuff about Jewish people, him saying stuff about women, him saying stuff about the black community. He knows what he's doing wearing, you know, handing out, hanging out with Candace Owens and now he wants to buy Parlor. Parlor is of course the um, social media platform that a lot of people who went to the Capitol riots were using because it's like they can use it, they can say stuff that they want to say. So how could he not know what he's doing? You know, he's, he's putting these messages out there and um, you know, I was I was telling um, you know, when Mamara Enya was running for mayor, I didn't like Kanye back then. And I was like, how can she call herself a progressive and take money from Kanye? I was like, at that point, he was already wearing a MAGA hat. And I'm like, you cannot, you know, you just can't say that you're a progressive and take money from someone who's like blatantly, you know, wearing a MAGA hat. And then for people to say, oh, he was just doing it for performative art. It, it's like the stat, the state of this country and where we're headed we just can't afford performance like that because it's just, I mean, yeah, he has a right to do it because that's what he wants to do, but it is very detrimental and it hurts, I think, you know, the communities of color that are actually trying to make a change and trying to make sure that we don't lose our country or don't lose and forget what the ideals of this country are, is.
1: Well, that was a great riff. I hope you write a column. Uh, And um, no, I, I don't subscribe to the notion uh, which is I don't think anybody does just ignore him. it's so funny because uh it, it, there's so many instagram uh posts about him, and uh I've taken to i've met, i've re- revealed this in the show recently I've taken to reading the comment sections and people say don't bend, don't go there, don't go there. but I'm just curious with the con getting getting an idea about comment sessions by the way, from having read them and uh, starting to think all oh, the whole thing is fake but anyway. Um, so there's uh, a common refrain. Someone will post uh, the latest outrage uh, of uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West uh, on Instagram, and uh, there will be at least ten comments. I, mean, I mean, there'll be thousands of comments, but at least ten of them will be of the line. Don't post this stuff. Don't give attention to him. Just draws attention to him. I'm like, hello, you're posting. (laughs) You're posting. And uh, I mean, to pretend as though it doesn't matter what a man who is a billionaire and has millions of followers says just because he's a performer or a celebrity is, is ridiculous. Have we not learned the lesson of Donald Trump
0: yeah.
1: Like, yeah, I remember the arrogance of so many people in 2015. Oh, I'm just going to ignore Donald Trump because he's just uh, a talk, a reality show host, you know. And next thing you know, he's the president of the United States, and half the country is swearing its allegiance to it. So I take very seriously what he says. I take very seriously the platform that he has. I take very seriously the impact he has uh, on people who uh, start repeating the uh, what he his idiocy uh, and I take very serious the uh, impact he could potentially have Ramana on the election. Uh, it's very close right now. So yeah. any, any vote for MAGA, that's a vote for fascism.
0: For sure. Ah, um, yeah. One of the things that I saw people point out on Twitter was that um, he has more followers than Jewish people. Like, you know, that's what people In are the saying. World. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, him saying something like this, you can't ignore it. And that's, that was my whole thing is like, I've been, you know, upset about what he's been saying about the black community. And I'm not black. And I don't profess to say I understand everything, because I'm not a black person. But it's like, I was offended for the black community. And it's just like, every, you know, him saying that, you know, slavery is a choice and, you know, saying things about black people. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? You know? And it's like people like, you know, and then there was a lot of like people saying like, Oh, you know, you know, just be, and I'm not saying fine. You want to listen to his music. You want to listen to his music. And then we're talking about off the air, like he's a genius. So like, just because a genius, he's a genius. He can say whatever he wants. And everybody's just like, Oh, but he's a genius. That doesn't excuse it. Like, just because you like someone doesn't mean it excuses the behavior.
1: Okay. Let's get to that genius I uh, thank you for reminding me of that because I really want to address that uh, the word genius gets kicked around a lot and so many people we I, I'm telling you, I can uh, uh, remind you, we have really talked about uh, yay a lot on this show in the last few weeks and invariably some guest will call him a genius and I'm like what makes a genius is it you just call it a, like are the beatles i like the beatles music does that make them geniuses it's like i want to elevate myself but oh i only like people who are good so if i like the beatles they must be geniuses no they have an ability to make a catchy tune you know every now and then john lennon really hammers it home with a great lyric but a g you know what i'm saying Ramona? like what is it i wouldn't call I can't think of any rock star uh, who is a genius. And I know Bob, your beloved husband and my dear friend Mick is going crazy because he thinks, I'm sure, like that Bruce Springsteen is a genius or Bob Dylan is a genius, you know? But I don't think any rock star is a genius. I,
0: don't... I, I, think, I think there's musical geniuses for sure. I mean, but I don't know. At the same time, my mom, it was really funny because my mom always said, like, you know, we have family. I mean, me and my siblings are pretty smart. We're above average, I want to say, but we're not geniuses, right? So my mom is like, because we have family friends who are very smart, very, very, very smart. And my mom's like, I always wished I had a genius child. And none of you guys are geniuses. And, and And then, but then she said, but then she's like, but you know what? I've also noticed that a lot of geniuses are nuts, so I'm glad that you guys aren't geniuses. <laughs> like, and, I mean, I don't know, I, but I know what you're saying. Like, who's a genius? Like, yes, you know, I, 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 I love the Beatles. I, I do love the Beatles. And I, you know, people probably think I've, I've been, I realized I've been calling yay Kanye the whole time. So sorry for people who are purists. And I, I did that with Prince too. I never called him the symbol or the artist formerly known as Prince. I was called him Prince, but yay. Um, yeah you know, he's probably a musical genius too. I, I heard some, I, I I've heard some of the songs and I'm, I'm fans of the song. I'm not a huge fan of his, but um, yeah, maybe he's a musical genius, but that doesn't mean he's a good person, I guess, or everything or everything that he has to say is like, but I, I know what you're saying. Like who is a genius? And who teams know, like, who yeah, a genius. A It's word. like it, and that's like, Oh, if I like something, then they're a genius. Like somebody might not like the Beatles and they'll be like, well, I don't think they're geniuses. And you know what I mean? So I, I understand. I understand what you're getting at, Ben. I totally get, I totally understand what you're getting at. But I think what you're saying is also we're kind of touching upon is heroes and people we exalt and, you know, idolize. And then when you realize that they're not who we think they are, or they're not what we hope that they were, we kind of get disappointed. I mean, you look at someone like Johnny Depp, right? Um, <laughs> I'm probably. just saying, like <laughs> I'm just saying, like he was someone that, like, I mean, when I was a teenager, we all loved Johnny Depp. I remember there was this magazine that are all young women, it was called Young and Modern. We all got it in the mail, and there was a Johnny Depp poster. Every young woman who was fifteen or sixteen had a poster on their wall, and you know, everybody probably thought marrying Johnny Depp would be a dream. And then you find out it's not really necessarily true. So your heroes aren't always who you think they are. And nine out of 10 times, that's probably the case. And um, yeah, you know, there's disappointment when you find out that someone isn't like, you're like, Oh, I thought that person would be so nice. And what a lot of people don't realize is that celebrities, um, have so many people behind them to create certain images. I mean, remember when Ellen DeGeneres, everybody thought she was so nice and then turned out like (laughs) her workplace was really toxic. So it's like, you know, we kind of, we all kind of feed into this image. Like we all like, you know, a certain celebrity or like, Oh, they seem so friendly and nice. And I want to hang out with them. And then when you find out that they're jerks to someone, then you're just kind of like, it's kind of like a balloon and it's like somebody pricked the balloon and it's all deflated. And but I think sometimes, like we were talking about, like when they say something so horrible, when you find out something so horrible, it does kind of, it does kind of like turn you off to them, like Eric Clapton.
1: We were, oh, you know, yeah, we were there we go. That's what I was going to say. Okay. And, so, and yeah.
0: you know, he's, he's you know, you find out about the rant that he said in the 70s um, about immigrants and people of color. And then, you know, he's anti-vaxxer and he put out a song with, um what's his face? God, Van oh, um, Morrison. Morrison. And then you're like, Oh God, Van Morrison too. So it's, um, it does. It, I think that kind of stuff, like, you know, does kind of make you angry. And a couple of days ago I, I heard, you know, not, I don't watch the NFL, but Mick told me, my husband, Mick told me that um, they played uh, before a bears game. It was televised nationally. They played Eric Clapton's version of sweet home Chicago. And you're kind of thinking like, okay, a white guy from England, Version of Sweet Home Chicago when there are so many black Chicagoans who have done a cover of that song or even the original. It's like, why Eric Clapton? But that that kind of that that encompasses what the NFL is. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was it Bears that did that or some other team? It was.
0: It was. It wasn't. Um. It wasn't the bear. It was like a national network. Uh. It was nationalized, nationally televised, and they did Sweet Home Chicago. So Lynn Bramer from WXRT tweeted, it, and everybody was like all up in arms and mad about it. I don't watch. You know, I don't watch the NFL. So um, uh, I Vic see, was telling you know, me about
1: it. So Eric Clapton is a classic case. Now boomers, just calm down. What I'm about to say. He's a pretty good guitar player. All right. There's like. I, I, Every now, I, there's at least 20 guitar players in the city of Chicago right now who are every bit as good as him. Why you love Eric Clapton, I do not know. You love him. You have this odd worship for Eric Clapton. You've always had. He's come up with like five good songs in his life. Most of his stuff is terrible. You know that, Boomers. But in your head, you cannot leave your love for Eric Clapton. Now it turns out he's a freaking racist. And Boomer don't know what to do with that. So they just ignore, well, you know, Ben. But it's not, even, it's, not,
0: it's not even now. He said that in the 70s. No, like, no, yeah.
1: we're, we're so high back in the 70s, they weren't paying attention. The only one paying attention was some geek like me. But I, I just, the. this is one of my point is right now. Like, I am not capable. I don't have the musical understanding to articulate why one musician or another is a musical genius. I know there are those whose minds can go places that the normal mind cannot go. I could tell you right now, Eric Clapton's fingers on a guitar, they're not going any place special, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So he is not a musical genius. So stop saying he's a musician. You just call anybody a musical genius if you like their music. (laughs) So that's my point. And so the, the yay worshipers, They'll go. Well, they feel compelled. though. He's iconic. He's a genius. I'm like, well, why do you feel compelled? I guess it's because people want to justify what they do with their life. You know what I'm saying, Ramana? They spend hours and hours of their lives listening to Yay, so they got to justify by, like, "Well, he's a genius," and that therefore I am really smart. Um, and I don't buy it at all. Uh, but you were well. I just got to give you credit. You're way ahead of the curve. If you write a column. Uh, I urge you to take a triumphant march because you've been saying, you've been saying the emperor has no clothes about yay. Yeah, I have. Years. And you know,
0: and it's like, there's another one. You've probably been hearing about Bill Murray, right? Like Bill Murray's been having, I have to show, I don't know if you heard the latest Gina Davis talks about him in her book. And then Seth Green, uh, the actor said that when he was a child, Bill Murray turned him upside down and threw him in a garbage can and, you know, and all this stuff is coming out about Bill Murray. And I remember a couple of days ago, Mick is like, he's supposed to be the nicest guy in Hollywood. I'm like, Mick, you're out of touch. Have you been reading all stuff about Bill Murray? He's supposed to be like, you know, everybody's like, well, that's the image he had, that he was this lovable buffoon. And it turns out that he isn't. And now people are speaking out. You know, you had Richard Dreyfuss come out and more and more people came out like a few days ago. Ben, I was going to share I was going to share the article with you and I totally forgot. But more and more people are saying like Bill Murray was this and he was that. And so I've just been seeing a lot of chatter about it. I'll send you, I'll send you the article afterwards.
1: uh, That's another guy. Uh, Don't get me started on Bill Murray. He's a genius, Ben. (laughs) Why? He's funny. There were like 10 guys in my Hebrew school back in the seventies or sixties who were funnier than Bill Murray. I'm just, and your mosque right now, I bet there's 10 guys funnier than Bill Murray. All right. Your brother, by the way, Maybe right up there. Giving him a run. for. It's so funny. Bill Murray. Okay? <laughs> Is that that funny, ladies and gentlemen? No, no, it isn't. I'm just saying
0: that like we, have, we have all these images, and then, like, now it's coming out, you know, for years we thought Bill Murray was, like, this guy that we all want to hang out with, and then you're like, oh, maybe not.
1: Yeah, maybe not. Uh, let's emphasize that part. All right. but uh, Everybody loves celebrity. That's the thing. They're rich. They're famous. For sure. <laughs> Uh, They can do whatever they want. And we all want to be rich and famous and do whatever we want. So, you know, I think some people just put comments like defend, yay, and call him a genius in the hope that he'll call them up. go, I read your your comment, one of the 10,000 that were posted to this Instagram link. You're brilliant. Come hang out with me on my yacht. (laughs) Uh, It's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, let's uh close it down with Ramona's recommendations. Uh, I've, I'll take the first shot. I am just if this is Ben's recommendation. I can't, I'm urging you, I'm begging you, Ramona, to watch Bad Sisters. It's uh, I told you it's an Irish dark, dark comedy, very Cone Brother esque. Uh, I'm just loving it. Uh, I can't, I'm like every now I gotta watch Bad Sisters. I think there's 10 episodes I've watched the first five. I, see, I don't want to uh Ramon, I'd watch my wife and I. We watch one a night, so it'll be if it's that'll take ten nights because an is a lot. You know what I mean? I wanna,
0: uh, yeah. You know, no, I night. understand. And that and hey, you guys are quicker when I than when I'm with Mick because I can't watch anything on the weekdays. So ours, if I watch a show with Mick, it'll take us about three or four weeks, unless he wants to binge that day. Like you know, on a Saturday, a Friday, he'd be like, "Okay, let's watch two or three episodes." But, um, no, I understand what you're saying. Um, Maureen O'Donnell, uh, our beloved obituary writer at the Chicago Sun-Times, recommended it to me, too, because we've been talking about Dairy Girls. She recommended Dairy Girls to me, so she always tells me about good Irish shows and sitcoms. And uh, she told me that she's kind of doling out Dairy Girls because it's the last season and she doesn't want it to end. So she's been watching like she's only watched three so far. And I already like binge through it. I'm like, oh, I watched it. Tell me. I go. I didn't like a certain part, uh, an ending. And I'll tell you about the ending, Ben, when maybe everybody else has watched it. But um, the ending was great. But the right end, it was a little weird. But um, and it actually involved politics, American politics, politics. Um, at the end of it. Um, I'm sure some, I, I could probably talk about it right now. Do you want me to talk about Wait, it? Out.
1: What year, what year is it take place?
0: It, it's uh, in the nineties.
1: Oh,
0: should I tell you what happens? Yeah, so uh, what? if any, so if anybody hasn't watched dairy was watching dairy girls and has a finished, you might want to turn off your, you know, live stream right now but anyway so it ends really well so it's basically it's based in northern ireland and it's about these teenage girls and the hijinks they get into and amidst this backdrop of the violence and it shows them voting on this very important law or like you know change changes for northern ireland and it and then it shows them walking out of the room and you're kind of like oh okay and it's like the 90s then all of a sudden like it says present day america like two seconds later And then it says New York and then you see Chelsea Clinton in a scene and she gets a letter from the girls that they wrote in second season. And so we're just it was just weird. It's like, why is Chelsea Clinton in this? But apparently she's a fan and she agreed to like show, you know, they didn't think that she would agree to be in being in the show, but she did. And they show her getting the letter and kind of reading it out loud. So I don't know. A lot of people said that kind of threw them off. They're like, it just should have ended with them you know, going off and like, you know, kind of going out with their lives and stuff. But
1: Well, there is uh, a lot of, uh, and this is, we're running out of time, so this will be a topic for another show. Uh, But there is a lot of animosity, I'll choose that word, uh, toward anything Clinton related these days. I've noticed that. I feel it very strongly myself in regards to Bill Clinton. Uh, I don't take it to the next level. I don't have anything against his daughter. Yeah, uh, I don't don't have
0: anything against uh, Chelsea either. Um, yeah why
1: would i have it i I mean mean,
0: no it's it's just that that everybody thought the show just felt felt awkward and weird like yeah i mean i felt like chelsea was unfairly targeted when bill clinton was running the first time by a a lot of people she was you know an adolescent so um i understand the criticism about bill clinton but um
1: don't get me started on bill clinton yeah (laughs) I, i mean i just that's a whole other show uh But, uh, all right, very good. So your assignment, whenever you can get to it, uh, watch uh, Bad Sisters. And I urge everybody out there, if you like dark comedies, if you like the Coen Brothers, it's not by the Coen Brothers, but it's got the same vibe as a Coen Brother movie. And it also has one of the most enjoyably, disastrously evil characters in it. This guy is just such a lousy human being uh, that it really makes it uh, worth your while. Uh, to root against them. I urge you to watch it. All right, Romana, uh, we're running out of time and uh, keep up uh, all that great writing you do for the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank Editorial you. writer, uh, columnist, extraordinaire. All right.
0: Thank you. We'll try.
1: All right. Very good. That's Romana Zane. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.